Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Practical Medium. I'm Michelle, your Practical Medium. Now, uh, I said in the last podcast I would be talking about uh, changing our language of moving on or something along those lines. I can't remember. And there's a good reason why I can't remember. It's because I got mono. Now, this is nothing new. I've had it since I was a teenager and occasionally it flares up, but I, it, I've never had it flare up this bad in a very long time, and I'm blaming it on this crappy weather we're having in the Midwest. So, instead of me doing a podcast on changing the language of how we we move on, quote-unquote, from the loss of somebody and how we move forward, I'm going to talk about body chemicals and how the body affects um, who we are in many ways when it comes to connecting with the other side, connecting uh, in general, and just what happens when we don't have a body any longer. Uh, it's Because this is topical, because my being sick actually affects my mind in a way that makes it hard for me to connect. Not impossible, just more difficult. And I don't hear Ken as much unless I'm going through another nap because it's the umpteenth one in a day and I'm just kind of laying there. Um, and I mean, I'm aware of him, yeah. I am I know he's there. and um, But in terms of just talking with him, it does take an effort that I don't normally have to put into it. So... On that note, um, without further ado, I am going to talk about how the body chemicals affect our brains. Now, um, I have an older post on my blog about and that was in response to Cyrus Kirkpatrick's commentary about addictions and, and stuff on the other side. Uh, if you've read it, you've kind of got an idea of where I'm going to go with this, but I'm going to expound upon it a little more. So, to begin with, when we have a body... It runs off of hormones and it runs among other things and hormones have a have a strong influence in us whether we like it or not uh, the thyroid if the thyroid's out of control whether it be hypo or hyper you have um, you have more mood swings you are not as mentally stable sometimes um, and you can't control your weight as easily you have, you know, all kinds of issues because uh, just a simple little butterfly-shaped thing at the base of your throat isn't working right, and it's telling you, it's telling your body that it makes signals all the time. So, some people don't have much in the way of symptoms. Some people have lots of symptoms, and it's never the same for everybody. Uh, now, when you're without a body, guess what? That goes away. the 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 issues with the thyroid just aren't there. You might have the memory of it. But the issues that come with being thyroid, hyper or hypo, are gone. Although you do remember what it was like. And even sometimes you might find yourself slipping into those patterns because they are so ingrained into who you are. However, you don't get the surges, you don't get the spikes, and you don't get the, the lows or the highs. And the same goes for bipolar, schizophrenia, depression, anxiety. Uh, if you are a PTSD because you have gone through a lot of trauma, the scars are there. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. They are there in your head, and they do have um, a component in your personality, but they are not active. And um, some people have to learn. Many people actually have to learn how to think without these things in the in the way of themselves anymore. So instead of having to, how shall I put it? think that you have to keep a secret because you don't want anybody knowing how nuts you are because you've got, not schizophrenia, excuse me, your anxiety and you're prone to, you know, lashing out or hiding or just losing your shit at any given moment. 
You don't have to because it's not simply going to happen anymore. It's done. It's gone. Now, will you do something that is based in anxiety? Sure. You're not going, you're without, even without a body, it is still going to happen. Uh, it, anxiety is, is still a thing, as is everything else, but it's just not who, it doesn't define your body any longer. It doesn't interfere with your daily life. It doesn't cause the issues it did when you were alive. So, and body chemicals play a role in that. Um, I'm being reminded by somebody who I will protect for privacy's sake, but he's reminding me right now, whenever I talk about this, about his neural network. He shows me always when I talk about bipolar, how his neural network was actually literally burning out because of all the highs and the lows and how his uh, own personal habits influenced his body and how it screwed up. His, his chemicals were just not ever going to be clean or clear. Um, and, um, he just couldn't handle it anymore. So one day in, in his mid fifties, he decided that he'd take a gun and end it all. He was not a happy person when he was alive. He sought treatment and he, but unfortunately this was in a period of time before modern meds were, um, what they are, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, he had enough and he went and took a gun and ended it. So he will, whenever I talk to somebody who is bipolar, he will make himself front and center. And he's a relative of somebody I know. And he will come and say, all right, tell this person this, please. And just tell them that no matter how bad it seems, try not to take the ultimate way out, even though it feels like it's going to be relief. Because he's going to sit there and tell you, even though he doesn't have a body, even though he doesn't have the, the, the fried out neural network anymore, even though he doesn't um, have the chemicals and, um, and booze at his hand to try to treat things, uh, he still remembers that very clearly and it is still something that's in his personality. He just doesn't get the surges any longer to go, um, you know, as he, said, as he puts it, going on his highs and going on his lows. And it always felt like the lows got longer and longer whereas the highs got shorter and shorter. And when the lows overtook everything and he felt he had nothing left in his life to live for, he decided to take things into his own hands. So, yeah. So these things do come with us. They still influence us on the other side. They are just not nearly as strong. And there may be like a tenth or not even a tenth, you know, a thirtieth whatever your frac choice of fraction of who we are on the other side. But you're always going to be known among the people that know you and loved you at one point as a person who was alive had this issue and people are still going to have to learn to get to know the new you. And this is what happens when we don't have body chemicals. And when we are alive, this is what happens with body chemicals. It sucks. And it's, but it, it defines us. The body chemicals are what we need to survive every day. It tells us about getting hunger. It tells us that we need to do things. It tells us we need to take care of ourselves. It, it helps us with our, it is basically the glue to our daily life. But when we don't have a body, we don't need it. And so you're not somebody who, if you've known some, ever known somebody who has been in the strongest throes of any of these major mental disorders, they are not, and you were to cross over to the other side after they did, you might be going to them like, are you still this person? Are you still this, you know, crazy character that when was, was more obnoxious and awful to me than not? No, they won't be. 
because chemicals aren't there for them to uh, interfere with you. Now, what I have noticed is that there are a lot of times people who had a lot of psychological intervention that did not, uh, that only helped so much, or people telling them they needed to go get treatment and they knew that treatment was only going to be so effective. Um, they hate it when a medium comes along and tries to poke around in their head. They don't like me um, in their brain. They don't really like talking to me until they realize I'm not there to you know, find their deepest, darkest, darkest, dirtiest secrets. I'm just there to talk to them. And unfortunately, I tend to dig a little deeper because I don't have the finesse to stay out of that part of their head. So I will know right away if somebody, you know, even had dementia. Um, when I when I tune in, I will I, I just know it. I can tell. I can feel it. Um, I can tell if their mind was like, you know, a, a, somebody had scratched a needle across a record constantly. That's what kind of like being a high wire act of anxiety. Um, I will know the mess that comes with schizophrenia, and I will know the manicness that comes with bipolar. It's just stuff that I can feel in my own head when I connect with them, and I'm sympathetic, but. These, even though I can feel this stuff, it's part of who they are and it is not active. So, the, but they still might not want to talk to me and they might still prefer to present with that personality because that's what they think that the person who I'm relaying for, the sitter or the client, is looking for because that's who they knew in life. So, in actuality, sometimes the people who are looking for their loved one want to know that they're not suffering from this anymore. So it's, it's interesting to see how these things happen, how chemicals influence us when we're alive, how they're a memory on the other side, and how they still have a mental role in the fact that they are in our memory. And they still drive us to have physical sensations, but it's just not the same. It's there, but it's not the same. It's not intense. It's, um, it's not as important. And we can actually move forward from our experience in the physical after... After we've taken some time to adjust and um, get used to who we are without these things. So as far as mental, that's my experience with those who have had mental disorders. They were neural, uh, a neurotypical. Uh, and as an autistic person, um, you know, you can apply anything to me, but I'm definitely not typical mentally. So the, um, and the fact I'm a medium also makes me a little strange as it is. So I'm kind of used to being called weird. So I'm in that category of um, the whole mental stuff and the, and the chemicals and that. And I do understand that in my situation with autism that I might actually be more than just chemicals. I might also be immune system driven because I have a hyperreactive immune system and probably a leaky gut. And um, am I looking forward to not having that? No, because this is who I am. This is my life. And it makes it, um, for me, it's, it has its challenges to overcome. And I still do, even though I'm creeping up on the age of 50. Um, and makes my life more interesting than not. Not always in a great way, but, you know, I'd rather be looking out through life through the lenses that I have. As opposed to somebody who is neurotypical. So, enough on that. So, I'm going to get on to the next topic of body chemicals. And um, this has to do with men and women without the sex hormones. Now, 
That does not mean but that we are going to go over there and become Ken and Barbie dolls. Absolutely not. There are things out there and sexual experiences that are just insane for those who want them. And for those who don't want them, they don't have to go find them. That's the beauty of it. And we don't have to judge because there just is no judgment like there is here with sex. <clears throat> you know, I mean, I'm not one to judge it here, but many people are. And uh, a lot of people are concerned with partners they have lost, have gone and cheated on them. Now, most of the time, I can't say with certainty that every man or woman will not go and look for other partners on the other side while they're waiting for their living partner to come home. And if you got to think about it, fair is fair. Now, if you're listening to this podcast because you found me through one of the Facebook sites about continuing relationships or just what it's like to live life on the other side, you're already going to have a different perspective about these things. You're going to be aware that um, that your partners and your friends and your family are still existent and that you're working on reconnecting with them in some way. But many people are not. There are still a large group of people out there who... Um, need the physical contact, need the physical comfort of a person in this lifetime and can't live without it. They have to have a body next to them in bed at the very least. So you could say, based on that, they are cheating on their dead spouse. And that is a very technical explanation, I do realize. And um, it's not something that every dead person will do with a living partner. But you know, the person who's living finds another partner to keep themselves content until their partner comes home. There are those who, on the other side, who will find somebody to spend the time with until their living partner comes home. These things all resolve themselves, and I realize it's going to be controversial for some, and it's probably going to make some people hurt, but I'm going to modify that or add an addendum for people who are searching for their partners on the other side and are working on reconnecting. The whole idea of fidelity is still extant. It is still there. And men and women will reach out for their living partners to connect with them on a sexual basis as opposed to moving on and trying to find somebody to keep themselves company if they so desire on the other side. Somebody who is not working towards this, well, the people on the other side, they have a lot of things that they can go and do to kill time and experience. Not everybody goes finding a new partner because, you know what, that's also a chemical-based thing. The need isn't there, but some do have a need, and they'll just, you know, the rules are different over there. It's not a permanent thing. It's not, it's something just to pass the time. And when the living spouses come home, they hook up with their living spouses, the spouses that are now come home. So I want it to be very clear because I know where some of you guys, my audience, comes from. And I want you to understand this, that you are working on reconnecting with a partner. That partner is going to stay faithful to you. They're, they're going to do the things that they did in life, of course. They're going to look at men and they're going to look at women and they're going to go, oh, that's a nice booty or, oh, that's a nice six pack. You know, they're, it's normal, it's natural, and it's what keeps us attracted to one another. That's, that's something that is chemical here, but... It's also something that's in our psyche, and there's a reason for it, and um, it's for probably for another podcast, but as far as 
looking around goes. We all look. I'm sorry. No matter who you are, you, we are designed and, and pointed towards looking at beauty. Whether it's human, whether it's plant, whether it's animal, it's just what we do. What those who are staying faithful on the other side are not doing is acting on that impulse. They can look at, you know, they'll, they'll take their time to go look at, you know, whatever they want. But there's, they're not about to go looking for a hookup because the chemicals aren't there to cause them, to push them, to make them want to enjoy that, um, that part of themselves. Why, when they have a living partner who's devoting them, their, their, that side of themselves to them, while, you know, while they're, in a, excuse me, in an attempt to reconnect. It's so, it's, you know, those who are worried about faithfulness, I will say this right now, if you are looking to reconnect with your partner and you want faithfulness, just, it's a thing, it happens. Because when you don't have to worry about the passage of time, when you don't have to worry about the things that we have to worry about in the physical Staying faithful to a partner that's still living is nothing. And I'm not saying that to be lightly. It's just easy. It's not something that is torture. It is not something that is putting themselves out of their way to do. And they do it gladly and willingly to stay connected to the living partner. So, and it also, as Ken's pointing out, it avoids the whole partner coming home and finding out that you've been unfaithful in all those arguments because it's still going to happen so that's also a a how do i put it the two cents worth of ken bringing in his point of view to lighten the load a little bit lighten the mood so so chemicals here when we have chemicals here and a man sees a hot chick and where does their thoughts go right to their crotch you know and they are more likely to act on it because not only do they have a, 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 how do I put it, a compulsion to spread their seed because evolution has told them in order to see for the survival of their species, they have to reproduce. They also tend to be not thinking with their brains and they think with their lizard brains and their chemicals. So they see here, a man might see a hot chick and decide that it, they can get away with cheating. And that's why it happens more often than not. Because if you were asked a rational, sane guy, why did he cheat on somebody that at home that was such a wonderful person? And I'm sure we've all heard these stories, and I'm think, speaking theoretically here. They would most likely tell you, I don't know why. It was one of the dumbest things I ever did, and now I had to fix these things. Well, part of it, you could say, was that one of their, their needed experience here. But really, cheating has its base in um, chemicals. And it has its base in the lizard brain, and it has its base in evolutionary needs. And in the survival of the, the fittest. All that good stuff. So, men on the other side don't have a lizard brain. They don't have the chemicals of, of, um, of testosterone that drives them. And they don't have a need to procreate to, in, to see their see their survival of themselves they don't have to, they don't need to see that they're you know that they're going to have grandchildren because well they don't need to know because they know they don't need it's not necessary on the other side so it's all complex to a degree but women and men again they 
just do not have the urges here there excuse me that they do here and it's just not a thing so you know it's like so again I'm going to reiterate if you are in a relationship with somebody on the other side and because you've lost a husband or a wife you don't have to worry about fidelity it's not even it's not even a question it's something that they do to stick by you and engage with you and know that they have your undivided attention then you know just as they did when you were alive if they were alive excuse me tripping up head cold um and you can always ask the question if you were working working on reopening towards a partner and they can't lie to you they might be able to obfuscate the truth in the beginning but even then that's not worth it to do it so just ask and wait for the answer usually it comes in a yes or a no and you will know the truth of it that's all there is to it it's really that simple to know the truth in those situations so on that note when it comes to um chemicals i'm going to shift again and talk about addiction now as i said i have a longer blog post on the vlog and um, i will link it in the box below in case you haven't read it the um at issue with addiction is also body chemicals um now when you are a baseline human and i know that sounds kind of strange but a baseline human I means somebody who is going through the normal daily stresses of life needing to find money needing to have a job supporting a family or supporting yourself and the things you need to to persist in that lifestyle you have an average amount of stress and you know what it's nice to check out of that stress every once in a while whether it be in, the, in a pipe of weed um, um, a bong hit a, a little bit of a toot of cocaine if you are so inclined um, heroin because there are functional addicts out there we can't deny that a lot of people are function on the heavier drugs or you just want to get into the bottom bottle of a bottle of bottom of a bottle of beer or wine so that is where we wind up wanting to alter our minds for a little bit. Now, as a, apart from the addiction side of it, that's a normal thing. We all, humans like to have their minds altered because it feels good. And we are wired to have that reward of feeling good. So, you know, it's like, why do people overeat? Because it feels good. Why do people smoke cigarettes? Because the nicotine makes them feel good. Why do people do drugs? again because it feel it makes them feel good and is it good for them in moderation i would say now i'm sure there were people who disagree with me and that's fine it's just my feeling and sense that it's okay to do these things now and again to release the stress because if you don't release the stress in one way or another you will explode and people melt down all the time from stress so if you don't check out of the stress of now and again you know you just don't do that well and your your body suffers you physically suffer so that's okay every once in a while to let loose even if it's just a beer and let yourself relax a little bit now when you have people who are completely addicted whose lives will not function without drugs and who have to go drug seeking for every little last thing because the effects wear off due to the brain and chemicals needing a stronger hit every time or the maintenance goes on for a while or you just don't get the same high whatever um that's all a chemical reaction that's all the brain looking you know looking for 
in fact, actually there's DNA involved. And now that I remember, DNA is uh, altered through addiction and it's a perm. It's uh, I don't know if it's a permanent thing or a semi-permanent thing, but it does mess with the DNA and causes addiction to become deeper for some. So it's just something that is in our, literally in our bodies to be addicted or to want that kind of mind altering experience. It's just something we do. Judgment is up to the individual, but I don't really judge people who do stuff like that, much less have an addiction to it. I just stay away from them. Um, anyway, so do we take that addiction with us to the other side? Yes and no. It's the same as every other function you can think of with the body. The, the need for sex, it still comes with us, but we don't act the same way as we do here when it comes to needing the satisfaction, um, you know, 50 times a day kind of thing. I exaggerate, but, you know, you probably know somebody who can fit that description. The same goes with smoking cigarettes. The same goes with drinking, you know, booze, um, with doing drugs. It's a pleasure, but it is not something that is driven, if that makes sense. You can go off to the planet where there's, um, when you're hitting up Sand's body, you can go off to the planet and, and stay in a completely stone state and nobody's going to judge you because you're not killing your body. You don't have a body to kill anymore. You can, you know, you can go to the local opium den because those things are a thing on the other side and find your way to having a few days of complete stoned bliss uh, on opium without the addictions. Um, you can you can hang out in the backyards of you know uh, middle class USA and party and drink cans of old style or Pabst Blue Ribbon or even old Milwaukee and enjoy it, but you're not going to be addicted and you're not going to have the same effects. Now there are people who are dyed in the wool addicts. It's in their head. It's in. It's stuck in their psyche, and they're going to stick. They're going to keep doing it regardless. Um, now, the good thing is the obnoxious behaviors that are influenced or amplified by, medic, by, by drugs won't happen because, again, no chemicals. And there's not a body system, to, physical, physical systems to affect. So the effect on the brain, which we still have a brain, yes, but it's different, again, um, is not the same. And people who have addictions... If they go off and they spend the next century sitting stoned, it isn't going to hurt them. It's just going to annoy the living crap out of the people who are who are around them in uh, on that side of the fence. So, but it's other than that, you know, you can write them off the same way as you would here. You'd handle them any way you'd like. It, it's just you're not going to have the same um, physical responses to it on the other side as you do here because it's just there's no body to to drive it so the body plays a major role in how we live our lives chemicals play a major role in how we live our lives we can't have one without the other we need our body to um to to, to exist on this planet and we have to take the good with the bad and um it just is what it is. It's what we signed up to do. And we understand that when you understand that we are driven more by our chemicals and our lizard brain stuff than we are by our forebrain, which is a place of learning and logic and um, the other good things, interpretation of the what's around us, 
um, we under it, life becomes more makes more sense. So it you know when you feel like you need to go indulge in a plate of cookies and eat the whole damn thing, well, just make sure you don't do it too often. And you know, and when it comes to addictions here, you have to handle it the way you feel fit. When it comes to relating to somebody with a serious mental disorder, you have to do what you feel that you need to do. And there's nothing wrong with how you handle it. Just know that this is not a permanent state for anyone. It's something that is restricted to existence on this side of the fence only. It is something that shapes us. It is something that gives us experience that we came here. And as, as awful as it sounds, people do come here for the purpose of one of experiencing life as an addict, as a disordered mind, as um, you know, as a jerk, um, you know, all this negative stuff. It is purposeful, not always, but it can be for many because they feel that they need this experience for their existence, their continued existence. And it sucks. And I mean, had the thought that I thought the thought that I felt that I needed to go through life as a highly functioning autistic person and what I've gone through is like, really? But here I am, I'm talking to you and I'm explaining these things. So obviously it's not all that bad. Now for others, certainly it is bad, but when you know no other existence, when you know no other way of being, this is who you are and you learn to embrace it. You may not like it, but you learn to embrace it. So we need to look at chemicals a little differently and that's what i tried to do body chemicals excuse me and what that's what i tried to do in this podcast it's food for thought if you have any comments um please feel free to email me i'll put my email in the box or just check out my website and i will put that link to that podcast that that excuse me blog post in the box so you can read it directly and um learn think give you food for thought as always, I'm not I'm not written in stone on this, but the way I understand how chemicals in the body works has not changed since I've reopened and started po- poking at this topic. If anything, it will probably deepen and expand with time, and I'm sure I will re-examine this topic as people ask me to, um, or want me to discuss this, or come back to something in here. On that note, I hope you all have a lovely week, and you're having better weather than where I am. Be safe. <laughs>